Brazil is like a volcano. With or without your help, it will secede. The apple is ripe. Pluck it now or it will go bad. Pedro, this moment is the most important of your whole life. You will have the support of the whole of Brazil. Those were the words of Empress Leopoldine, a Habsburg, in 1822, on the eve of Brazil's secession from Portugal. It was, of course, her advice to her husband, Emperor Dom Pedro, who later declared independence for Brazil, despite being part of the Portuguese royal family. Not really sure why he did that, but he did anyway. And uh, with me to discuss these up-and-coming Brazilian presidential election is uh, Bornbrook's associate editor, I believe, Luke Perry. Yes, uh, good evening, all. It's good to finally uh, be on the political tips for at last. Uh, I have forced my way and I know nothing about Brazilian politics, well, up until uh, this early afternoon, at least. But yes, just uh, ready to just get into uh, discussing the um, probably one of the most important elections of, of the year. I would say that this certainly... Not necessarily rivals, say that the French or the um the midterms in the in America, but this is definitely one the whole world needs to keep an eye on. I think you were telling me in spoons that you were an expert in Latin American politics. Oh, that, that that's only when I'm five pints in. Oh, okay, okay, would be six for me. So just saying, <laughs> right? History of Brazil, then. So, uh, let's start with you know. Probably 1494, Treaty of uh, Tordesillas, and uh, Spain and Portugal splits the New World in in half. Spain splits it into different countries. Somehow Portugal keeps one big one, Brazil. What can you tell me about Brazil and its history? Anything? Well, past the, uh, the Treaty of Tordesillas, where the South American continent was split in between Portuguese and Spanish influence, uh, Portugal, not Portugal, um, Brazil essentially becomes a, um, well, a, a plantation land, really. It, it, its climates, like the American Deep South, suited uh, cash crops such as sugar and tobacco. Mm-hmm. And Portugal, in, in effect, modelled what, what, what was the plantation model for this mass production in uh, Madeira and South America, of course, tropical um, islands. And so th- th- this is where P- Portugal r- remains, the sort of the ha- this harvesting land of, of these raw resources. And you, when you go into the, the 18th century, it uh, begins a gold and diamond rush that course, uh, causes the country to experience an influx of uh, inward migration. And Brazil, throughout its history, as I say, it, it is part of the Western world. It did mirror Europe in, in many ways, like the, the French Revolution, because Brazil also encountered revolutions that, with its internal politics, with wanting independence, with uh, slave rebellions. And uh, roughly at the same time when um, many other European colonies became sort of independent in the Western Hemisphere, uh, Brazil, uh, a military coup happened in Brazil in 1889, and uh, that's how the nation was born. Similar to the, to the French, really, then, who uh, toppled their monarchy with a rather militaristic uh, revolution and then swinging back and forth between dictatorship and 
democracy couldn't quite make up their mind, could they? Well, the French gifted Brazil its uh, flavour for revolutionary action to depose of established hereditary monarchies. It's also given its habit of recreating constitutions. I think Brazil has had six so far. Ah, just, uh, well, one more than the French then, so far. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing which I find uh, quite interesting as well is um, how uh, it sort of originally was, after its independence, uh, a monarchy for, for quite a while. Uh, you, you had, uh, as I said, uh, Habsburg, who had married uh, the, one of the princes of Portugal, Dom Pedro. And uh, what, what's interesting is probably... I can't think of another example in history where the metropole of an empire moved its base. So uh, during the Napoleonic Wars, the Portuguese royal family fled to Brazil and they, they didn't want to go back for a while. It took them uh, something like, uh, I wrote it in my notes. About, but about, about 15, 20 years. Well, yeah. it was, the, the Napoleonic Wars lasted around about that time, a decade and a half. But for, for a while, the, there was a controversy. Well, there was a, a crisis in Portugal because uh, the royal family essentially didn't want to come back to, to, to the motherland for a while. And uh, they, they were quite based in Brazil. And then uh, in, in typical sort of monarchy fashion, uh, they, they eventually go back, but they leave behind their five-year-old son to, to rule the country. So it's... Uh, it's yeah, childhood monarchs really taken up after it's a European ancestry. <laughs> and uh, well, I'll, I'll throw in a fun little fact: uh, the reason why Brazil playing yellow is uh, because of the Habsburgs, uh, because uh, the the Brazil flag was taken the, the Portug the green from the Portuguese flag and the yellow from the black yellow eagle uh, Habsburg flag. So that's uh a fun fact for everyone. You know what, that, that, that is a fun fact. I, I thought it was modelled off this uh, yellow parrot found in the Amazon. But no, that, that, that's very good. Again, harking back to its European heritage. Uh, my interesting fact is uh, always overlooked is that Brazil uh, joined in both world wars on the side of the Allies. And not, not as a, a token gesture, really. In um, not, Brazil declared war on Germany, I think, in 1942. So it was before all the symbolic gestures were made in 1945, just so they could join in the European Union. Well, not the European Union, United Nations, my bad. And uh, it declared war on Germany in, in uh, the First World War in 1917, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. What, what, what did, how did Germany respond? Did they take it seriously? It's like, you know, the smallest kid in your class just randomly... <laughs> tapping you on the back saying he wants to fight you don't know whether to take it seriously or well uh, they wow. took it somewhat seriously in world war Two. of course there were german u-boats in the south atlantic right and hitler did have dreams of colonizing the entire world and the americans did intercept maps of brazil which is how hitler would have carved it up if he had come to power i'm not fully sure the reason in um in world war one I. I think it's just yeah unrestricted submarine warfare got Brazil a little anxious <laughs> and uh, well moving on to a bit further in you, you had a military dictatorship between uh, 64 and 85 um, 
and actually there was genocide of indigenous people torture of political opponents free speech censored but 10 percent annual gdp growth yeah green line goes up it's all other party <laughs> it's a sort of a list trust neoliberal sort of a fantasy of a high growth at whatever the cost yeah. Yeah. even if that cost is a well, what I find very interesting about it, being a Brit is how countries can so, not necessarily easily, but so frequently split between uh, a military dictatorship and a democracy. And sometimes it, it, a military coup, of course, happens it, it, overnight. But mm. after decades of being accustomed to military rule by the iron fists, people just fall back into the lap of democratic elections because brazil is no exception to that and luckily well for now at least we're still in the uh the democratic period although there's been a lot of corruption going on it's we'll south get... america after all <laughs> <laughs> well we'll we'll get on to that in a bit but uh moving on from the history how does the brazilian democratic system work so um it's half oh voice break there it's half based off the um the french system regarding its presidential elections uh, wow. the world and his mother can run in the first half and uh, the two top performing candidates go through to the uh, the second half which um for this election includes the incumbent president bolsonaro and uh, lula who uh, i've called just silver in my notes so um they will eventually uh, square down at the ballot box in the coming days. And uh, that's just a, a straight runoff for the title, really. Whoever gets the most votes wins. That's fairly simple. Going on to how um, the power of uh, the president works, it's essentially copied from the, um, the American system, word for word. There's a strict separation of powers, allegedly, between the, uh, the, the courts uh, the legislature and the executive and the president. Uh, Brazil, given its geographical size, is a federal state, so power is um, devolved throughout the, mm -hmm. uh, the levels of governance from local to state. And um, I'd say the president, of course, who in a republic is also the head of state, so Bolsonaro is, for, for the time being, the face of Brazil. Hence uh, his appearance at uh, Her Majesty's funeral. Yes, and not Neymar's. <laughs> and so um yeah, bolsonaro hasn't i would say uh, abused it he, he certainly um knows all the powers he has under him because one of the the contentious points of this election uh, particularly with the you know the, the kind for philanthropist lula is that uh bolsonaro has abused his executive powers so to speak but if if those powers are in your possession when has that not been abused well, I'll, I'll tell you some of the powers that the Brazilian president have. Uh, so he can appoint uh, his own cabinet uh, judges of the Supreme uh, Federal Court, which is something we'll come back to later, which Bolsonaro did. Uh, head of the military, so he can appoint commanders, Navy, Army, Air Forces and all this. Uh, so he can propose laws to National Congress and by using what's called Meditas provisorias, uh, provisional measures, he can basically force through a load of laws that uh, don't need to be debated and uh, can stay in place for 60 days until Congress votes to get rid of them. 
You can veto bills as well, wholly or in part. You can conclude international treaties, conventions and acts, grant pardons, reduce sentences, and create and scrap federal government positions. A lot more, but uh, it's fair to say that the president in Brazil is quite a powerful man. Yes, he's, he's certainly got, um, with just a slight tweak, a smidge more power than the US if he can veto bills in part. And uh, with the uh, the appointment of Supreme Court justices, does it have to be confirmed by the legislature? Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's um, probably the most powerful man on the South American continent at the moment, Mr. Bolsonaro. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. <laughs> yes, by pro- process of elimination. <laughs> we'll just uh, hope that nobody checks that. Right, the candidate. So Lula first. What? What's? Uh, where did he come from? What's his story? How did we get here? So, um, Mr. Luis Silva is a former president. He served between uh, two thousand three to two thousand and ten, and he he was the sort of the, the typical twentieth century uh, lovely lefty left wing trade unionist. And uh, his uh, vision was entirely economic. There, were, there weren't any really major sort of social liberal reforms that were out of place for the world at the time. Uh, his focus was, of course, on um, sort of poverty relief. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout his period, to his credit, Brazil does experience a period of strong economic growth that does lift millions out of poverty. So that, that that's why uh, he's been able to perform so strongly in the polls that we are seeing. He has he's currently leading Bolsonaro by six points. Uh, the the gap has shortened ever so slightly. So he has been frequently leading by about ten percentage points, which, given his reputation, is unsurprising. The, the, the disaster struck the his sort of post first presidential legacy when a. Uh, in this sort of a sham trial, he was convicted of money laundering and spent a year and a half in jail. But he was let free by the uh, Supreme Court because um, it, it ruled that his uh, imprisonment was, um, the, the trial at first was unsafe, the judge was completely biased, and nor did the court itself have any jurisdiction to, to send him to prison. And uh, the judge would later become uh, Bolsonaro's justice minister. Yeah. Like, uh, a couple of weeks after that. being sent down, so. Uh, oh, it's strange how these things work. <laughs> but um, what I've seen of um, Silva is that uh, he he's not what we we would consider it in the north in the northwestern hemisphere, you know, an unhinged leftist. He, he is clearly pro-Brazilian. He um he takes prayers at his rallies. He sings the national anthem uh, along with the crowd. He, he holds a Brazilian flag. So it's a, he's an unashamed patriot. Bolsonaro has the that that sort of global PR wing behind him, <laughs> so if, if if I may call it that. Uh, well, but, yeah, just yeah. to uh, yeah. just to add a few things, so yeah, he introduced a lot of housing aid housing aid program, fifteen billion euros to water purification, forty billion to housing. Uh, he introduced Bolsa Familia to which was to uh, provide financial support to the poorest families in return for them attending school and getting vaccinated. Um, not COVID, by the way. Um, but th- there was quite a lot of scandals when it came to 
his party, the Workers' Party. So in 2005, uh, there was a whistleblowing, which, which from uh, a Labour Party uh, deputy who, who claimed that apparently uh, a lot of his deputies were being paid around the equivalent of twelve thousand uh, dollars in order to vote in favour of the the Workers' Party's legislation. Uh, it was all funneled through some fake advertising budgets and uh yeah the which is why actually the the workers party was was rather unpopular for a while mm. it was stained with quite a lot of these corruption scandals um but uh and bolsonaro every sort of uh every debate has been rehashing this mm. over and over again but i mean as you said, it, it's South America. I think every leftist has this story of yeah, they've helped the country, they've pulled a lot of people out of poverty, but there's also a lot of scandals yeah, and corruption in the background. Yeah, there's all the dirty curtain work behind the uh, the scenes that, well, allows for those sorts of policies, be it left or right, to happen. They, they are the bribe or arm twists. That's not just a South American, but any yeah. political body you find corruption in. And, uh, well, one last thing to mention about Lula is uh, he was a chain smoker for about 40 years, got lung cancer, uh, not lung cancer, throat cancer, but uh, recovered within a few months. Uh, so, Yeah, it's, uh, that's a... Uh, that's, uh... Uh, Odeman to his uh, credentials, I think I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a considerable portion of the Brazilians votes on that quality of his and a quick recovery from cancer, despite a, a lifestyle that should give you no chance of survival. <laughs> yeah. And with, and with his after his recovery from throat cancer, he's still a uh, project booming his voice in the rallies. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that the Chad meme would be appropriate for the for that moment. <laughs> you, you, you got lung cancer on on the left hand side. <laughs> the right inside you, Lula. <laughs> so, his opponent then, Jaya Bolsonaro. Uh, what's his story? What is a bit of a uh, box of frogs, isn't he? Yeah, he uh, served in the army, was a congressman, and then propelled himself to the presidency. It, he was elected in a in twenty sixteen, I believe, and he was sort of this initial wave of populist leaders that, that millions hope would get elected throughout the western world outside of um trump and i guess you could say brexit he's he's been the only success story and um of course as you know trump was deposed and brexit was co-opted by remains so here's for now the one still standing and say marine le pen's taken two bites at the cherry and has been unsuccessful mm. and uh he in in typical sort of the 21st century fashion he, he has been the the social media presence uh, and uh, we often talk frequently about the uh, the bolsonaro wide meme <laughs> it's modeled off the, the vladimir putin one and uh and recently he had a, a twitter spat with uh everyone's favorite private jet sailor leonardo dicaprio so uh, he didn't have to challenge the, the the hollywood actor who only dates 24 year olds but he, he just did and it would serve, uh, I think, his base quite well. You know, the sort of the anti-establishment who wants to just stick it to the established order of the Western world, and uh, its its presidency has just been a uh, well. It is a typical sort of fa 
Thatcher on any sort of pro market, but his mm. biggest selling point that he considers himself is just the preservation of traditional values. Uh, he's pro family. He, he's anti abortion. He uh, regrets ever having conceived a daughter. <laughs> this is. Uh, he said the, it was a. What a is moment it? of I've weakness. Had, yeah. I've had five sons and one daughter, uh, which was a moment of weakness. Yeah. So that. And um, he p- plays on his religion as well. So that that's uh, the the way he stands, trying to court the the more the, the social element, and but in effect the the showdown between him and Louis Silva, he is focusing on both sort of the market and the social aspects. Silva is almost focusing entirely on economics, which I'm sure we'll get into with the the, the voting demographics, and all. The, I mean, there's a sarp going on in the media, but saying that the, the Brazil is highly polarized, which yeah may be true. But, but they're also complaining that uh, um, Bolsonaro may not accept the uh, the election result. Mm. But uh, of course, we all know that if Bolsonaro does win, it, it's 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 going to be it was rigged in favour of the incumbent. And we just we just know what we just know the story that's going to be told, no matter it's, who wins. Uh, acceptable conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't Russia. think that. Uh, yeah, R- Russia rigged the. Um, the electric teleprompters, which Bolsonaro was worried would favour his opponent. What, what can you do? Yeah, it, it reminds me really of sort of this Reagan populism where he's, you know, ultra pro free market. He, he, he doesn't refer to it as privatisation. He refers to it as destating uh, yeah. because he, you have a strong sense of the, the red scare still in in Brazil, so he privatized, uh, I think, the national utilities. Uh, something which isn't often mentioned is in 2016, the, the interim government just decided to freeze the budget for 20 years. Uh, so actually, if you're pro-austerity, you, your job's already done because they literally froze the budget uh, for 20 years, which I've never heard of before. Uh, yeah, and then, I mean, he, he, he's also got himself uh, a scandal, well, a couple of scandals, but... Uh, just a couple, yeah. Uh, probably his most shocking one was in uh, around 2015 or 16. Um, he said to a, another deputy named Maria do Rosario, Rosario uh, that she was not worth raping because she was too ugly. And he was chased through the courts uh, for quite a while. Uh, he he was found guilty of inciting rape, faced a penalty of six months prison and a fine. But then he became president, so he get, he acquired immunity from prosecution. Um, so I think he's quite desperate to win this election. Or uh, I mean, he's uh, he could be in a bit of legal trouble actually if he if he's not re-elected. Wasn't Brazil's first female president impeached and then sentenced to prison whilst in office? Or is that not Bolivia? And that's, uh, no, I, I, no, Brazil's <laughs> first female president. Let me. I mean, it probably is Bolivia as well. <laughs> Bolivia was uh, Anya's uh, about two years ago, and they found her hiding in a box uh, <laughs> when the police arrived. Uh, 
Oh, she, I think she was only in pitch and removal from office. It was a uh, Dilma Vanna Rousseff. Right. Okay. So yeah. So nice. yeah, this 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 is the uh, the, the sort of I I'm sure it's very standard in Brazil at least for when once upon coming to power you have to have climbed a very very greasy pole and committed <laughs> very very shady deals behind the scenes in private and then when the eyes of the world are on you yes now now it can be distributed to the public bit of a sir robert warpole of uh, of brazil it seems yeah um he's also a bit of an authoritarian in terms of his rhetoric he he often uh supports... he plays the strong man Close yeah, hence his bomb video uh, meme, uh, wide meme <laughs> video. Uh, but it, uh, when he was talking about the uh, the dictatorship, he said that the error of the dictatorship was that it tortured but did not kill. So, uh, Does he play these statements just for um, just just to sound hard because he actually means it, or, or just to? Caught the populist vibe. I'm not, well, is is it is it just if I say something like this, thinks Bolsonaro, I can get my name in the media, and I can get free <laughs> advertising. I think you'd just be cancelled. Well, but Bolsonaro has shown no. Sometimes this rhetoric can help you ride the wave for the presidency. Trump did it perfectly. All his tweets, deliberately controversial, yeah, yeah. got free headline space on CNN. I don't know how many people watch CNN, probably not very many. But yeah, so it's free PR at the end of the day. I get that, but I feel like... And, and if yeah. you can neuter the courts, if you can become president and then exclude yourself from prosecution... That's pretty, it's, it's, pretty it, impressive it's, going. It's a high risk, high reward. But it's a high reward. Uh, another thing about Bolsonaro, so his, his big thing was, was crime, wasn't it, when he was elected in... 2018, he said he was gonna. Well, he he made uh, gun ownership more accessible, and he said he he wanted the the police to uh to shoot a lot more criminals. Were his words. Um, I think that that might be a quite popular campaign slogan in the UK, maybe in the in the future. Mm. Perhaps I wouldn't want to give those who arrest people for mean tweets access to firearms. <laughs> uh, anything else about Bolsonaro? Anything interesting? Uh, I think, uh, unless you uh, have more of his quotes, I think we can move on to say the issues at hand. Uh, well, go on, and I'll, I'll just yeah, go uh, on onto the issues at hand. So, uh, no, I, I, was gonna, I, I was I was going to finish with uh, uh. Not to cut you off, my friend. Just uh, that he was a big Churchill fan, and uh, he said Churchill taught him patriotism, love for your fatherland, respects for your flag. So he he gets a brownie point. Yeah, words, on my behalf. words to live by. Words yeah. to live by. Anyway, what are the Brazilians talking about? Though the, the Brazilians are talking about number one, it's the economy, stupid, and number two. <laughs> It's the economy, stupid. And number three probably has something to do with corruption on both ends. <laughs> but, I mean, Brazil is currently undergoing one of its worst recessions on record. It's it's began in 2014, and then, of course, had to fund a 
and Olympics and World Cup, despite being a somewhat developing nation in the meantime. And it's also been uh, joined the rest of the world in having skyrocketing inflation. Uh, of course, inflation, no matter how, what you wave about it, it's going to stick people under the poverty line. And in a particularly vulnerable nation as uh, Brazil and much of South America. Again, there's a, a lot of discontent over Bolsonaro's initial COVID response. Now, of course, he, he was anti-lockdown and good on him. But of course, the media has taken with this and run. Uh, I think the media have manipulated some statistics to say that Brazil has the highest... 700,000 dead. Yeah. Which... Um, after taking a test about 50 days after getting yeah, it or something like that. 50 days and you could have been killed in a car accident yeah. or... A, or drowned in the sea, yeah. That actually happened in New Zealand, fun story. Um, and of course, the, the, the corruption aspect, well, it's not corruption aspect, aspect really, it's I just don't like your leader. Uh, Bolsonaro is, of course, criticised for using executive powers to, I don't know, blow up the Amazon. But uh, as I say, once, um, well, we've already talked about uh, Lula's presidency, that he's done some shady deals, twisted the rules in his favour to uh, force through his vision. And so why it comes down to, uh, I think, the economy more in the social aspect is because, well, what, when the times are good, or at least bang average, you can discuss the merits of gay marriage or abortion, traditional values of your nation. Once the food runs out, <laughs> it, it becomes a bit difficult to, to win people over on these, uh, in times of crisis, rather mundane objects. Yeah, and then... I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts. That was the the downfall of Eric Zemmour. Was uh, he was doing quite well in the polls. The Russia Ukrainian conflict began, and suddenly nobody was talking about the the cultural issues anymore. And uh, yeah, he he really didn't have much of an economic uh, policy behind him. And Le Pen leapfrogged him over in the polls again, and he he crashed and burnt. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do you know anything that uh, these two are proposing to, to deal with the economic? Well, uh, Bolsonaro, of course, is a big believer on, as you said, the statism. The, the more we get government out of the economy, the better. But of course, I don't think the Brazilians will be convinced on that, given high inflation and that in a globalised economy, events so far around the globe, be it in Ukraine or China's forever lockdowns that, that policy is really is, beneficial uh, anymore and Lula is of course offering what he offered in his first presidency so relief for the poor housing aid education uh, Bolsonaro is quite big on uh, agribusiness as well like uh, he's Cash quite prepared to uh, burn down the Amazon and so that people can raise more cattle and things like that that's it yeah. I think that'd be more that that the uh, less popular outside of Brazil than inside. I have a feeling. <laughs> I, could, I could imagine Greenpeace up in arms. Any uh, one in Rio de Janeiro less so. I'd like to see a uh, Bolsonaro deal with protesters throwing mashed potato around the presidential palace. Uh, it'd be quite a, a scene as he batters. Um... Well, as he walks in with his wide self, <laughs> barely barely squeezing through the door. <laughs> Picks him up with a collarbone in one hand, throws him out. Oh, just, I don't say, just don't intervene. Just, it's a safe place. No one's getting hurt, it's only mashed potatoes. Let these eco-loons throw. 
<laughs> throw it around for a free PR. That's what Bolsonaro is good at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about crime? Is that still being mentioned these days in Brazil? Or... It, it, it is, but it, it's taken less of a precedent than it, than it has previously. I think, I mean, crime is an issue in every Brazilian election and um, no president seems to know how to resolve it or at least does not have the means to. And I'm sure with worsening economic stances, uh, the next presidential election, crime will be a, a bigger feature. But for now, yeah, it's all about the first order effects of a collapsing economy. Uh, yeah. Um, well, there, there is one thing which uh, has been floating about, which has been spread around uh, the Bolsonaro sort of media landscape, and that's uh, apparently... Uh, Lula would like to introduce something similar to Proposition 47 in California, which would change the status of crime. So uh, you would have lower prison sentences for people who stole things which were worth less than the equivalent of $900, uh, which was a real law introduced in California. But uh, it's, it's still in place, hence why... Uh train loads of Amazon goods get looted in broad daylight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it, it, is that his one way of reducing the crime rate by the statistical numbers typed up in civil servant offices? <laughs> oh, shoplifting is no longer a crime. Oh, look, crime goes down. <laughs> oh, it's effective. It's, uh... Well, that, that next election, if Lula wins, will play into the populist hands of law and order. Yeah. Bolsonaro comes back. <laughs> Wider than ever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the environment we've, we've touched upon. So, uh, interestingly, something that's not talked about often, well, apart from in the Bolsonaro circle, is that actually Lula in his first term had higher levels of deforestation than, uh, than Bolsonaro did. So, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, I've just done a gesture to you, realise they're not going to see that on there. No, he he tapped to his forehead. Yes, so we all know these are these lefty politicians. Yeah, they all appear cute and cuddly and uh, moralistic, but really, no. And Bolsonaro, he's he's very pro nuclear, so he's got another brownie point on my. Mm. Well, well uh, my my view of nuclear is uh, is the shadow piece. It's it's the doctrine of mad. Okay. Perfect. Well, we wouldn't have nuclear weapons, but they they were invented and they do exist, and our enemies are going to have them. That that's where Bolsonaro is thinking from. He's not thinking of oh, this this will wipe out the northern Amazon. Oh, I, I was talking about nuclear power, like yeah, nuclear power oh. station. Not oh, not he still gets a brownie point from me. Right. Good. Good. If he's pro if you're pro nuclear weapons, that's also a brownie point. But uh, yeah, Lula is claiming he'll stop. Uh, burning the Amazon, so we'll see if that happens anyway, if he mm. gets in. Uh, uh, maybe a last thing to touch upon is uh, this real obsession now, uh, maybe even more so than in the US, is with fake news and disinformation, because um, whenever I hear Lula supporters talking anything about Bolsonaro, they, they just always go on about disinformation, fake news, mm. which is spread about. 
the, the, the throwing around of fake news and misinformation is the, the same thing as throwing around the word Overton window. It's it's not a, a objective analysis of everything. It's just a weapon. And I know Bolsonaro has frequently faced down his own courts because they have a, a basically banned misinformation in presidential elections or something or other. And so they're trying to um, maliciously interpret the uh, the legal mechanisms of libel and slander maliciously for, for their own ends. And yeah, it's, I think Trump was initially the person who coined the term fake news, but it just shows how easy yeah, um, hammers can divvy between hands. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, it seems. Uh, it's come yeah. back a bit in the, the right uh, on the back yeah. side. Yeah, if I uh, say that. Just uh, to finish on that, actually, I read somewhere that uh, Bolsonaro had been accused of tampering with the the electoral system. So now, actually, uh, as punishment, Lula is now allowed 12 times more uh, television and media coverage than Bolsonaro in this uh, these days leading up to the second term. I don't know how legitimate that seems uh, but uh, it's happened I, anyway. I would be highly surprised if that was an official law written so you committed this specific offense in this capacity therefore your opponent must have the very arbitrary figure of 12 times this many <laughs> days before the voting happens well it, it was by the like the brazilian ofcom basically our captured institution yeah our beloved ofcom yes Right, the demographics of the voters, oh, respective electorates. Who are the Bolsonaristas and who are the Lularites? So, have, having uh, looked back at uh, previous as elections and the voting demographics, I can't see uh, a lot changing in this one. But uh, as opposed to where we are in the Northern Hemisphere, refreshingly, the voting is not divided along social lines. But uh, there's a sort of the even split among the younger age groups, but the, the older you get, the, the more you favour Bolsonaro, uh, the higher educated you are, the more you favour the right-wing candidate. That makes a change. And uh, what, what I've noticed is very interesting. So the uh, if, if you're a, sort of on the poverty line or just above it, you vote for the left-wing candidate, you vote for Lula. Uh, your country middle class, upper class, you vote Bolsonaro. But if you're really, really rich, you vote for Lula. <laughs> right. Which I always thought was sort of typical of the, the Silicon Valley style, uh, high status opinions. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so, um, and the key that divide, as I said, it, it, it's economic. There's not any really highly partisan groups. It's all, you know, 60, 65%, one or the other. There's not these massive, mm -hmm. like, 80% for one or the other. So it's fairly, uh, for a country the media called polarised, it's actually fairly stable in that regard. But yes, yeah, so um, as in typical fashion, really, in most of the Western world, if you're younger, more poorer, you probably vote for the left wing mm. candidate. I, uh, yeah, uh, there's a bit of a labour divide. So uh, this is a, from America Elects poll. So Lula is leading uh, amongst the unemployed. 65% to 35%, students by 62%, unregistered employees, 60%, retired, 55%, government employees, 
foot. Bolsonaro is leading amongst freelancers, self-employed, uh, just about 51%. Registered private employees, 54%. And business owners, 75%. So, so it's similar-ish to the, the Thatcherite voters, or the self-made uh, Essex man. Yes. Uh, yeah. Can I? Is that a stretch too far? Um, your podcast might say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for some expert analysis to shun me down. Well, well I don't know if, if the Brazilian uh, self-made people drive white vans or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, then, uh, yeah, and, uh, probably the biggest divide is the, the gender uh, divide because... Uh, only around 18% of female voters vote for Bolsonaro. I don't know why. Uh, it really shocks me. But uh... that, that the number is too low or too high? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and then Bolsonaro probably also represents what we call the the big. Well, what he calls the big interior. So rural communities, cattle raisers and rustlers, uh, yeah, the agribusiness. Uh, uh, and then you got one other divide I wanted to talk about is uh, Catholics and evangelicals now. So um, according to America Elects, again, um, Lula has a poll lead of over 20 points amongst Catholic. Bolsonaro has a poll lead of over 20 points amongst evangelicals. So evangelicalism is, is something which is really booming currently in Brazil. And uh, according to statistics, they, they could be the majority by 2050. So what's, how do you explain this phenomenon? Uh, I was, when we initially decided what we we're going to talk about for this podcast and you mentioned that the catholic versus evangelicals i didn't think it'd be that big i, I thought in typical stereotypical fashion that brazil would be 100 percent catholic given given its history but no it's uh 50 uh catholic and about um about 30 percent evangelical mm -hmm. and the, the, so the number of evangelicals in brazil is increasing as both percentage and absolute number and it's expected it's doubled in the last decade and say grown exponentially and uh so bolsonaro said does it cover this evangelical wing there's been conspiracy i don't know if we call them conspiracies or theories that he is an evangelical he married an evangelical got baptized oh, by he, evangelical. Uh, so he was a member of the catholic church and in 2018 during his presidential campaign he baptized himself an evangelical in the river jordan oh yes <laughs> so um I, i'm not really sure how much i mean the religious divide is clear in the politics i don't know how much that would manifest into policy certainly not this election with its focus on on economics but i i would imagine that the religious divide is sort of predicated on sort of the old sort of the economic attitudes of catholicism and protestantism catholicism from <clears throat> excuse me catholicism for much of its history was sort of the mother Teresa. it was the charitable party which then lent itself to some to sort of orwellian socialism i guess you could call it with um mm -hmm. sort of government government aid for the poor it's very socialism very altruistic yeah 
And uh, the, the evangelicals sort of modelled off the US, or not not sort of uh, sort of openly preaching with, with their mega churches and a million strong TV TV crews, but um, does have this sort of attitude towards, as I say, free market, putting yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's why I think that the major voting lines strike. Yeah. They they wouldn't strike on social policy. Brazil doesn't Brazil doesn't play by religious politics. I think uh, it, it's mostly to do with, I believe, evangelicals believe in uh, elections. So they, um, God has his elected people. So, uh, you know, it, oh, yeah. it tends to be a more individualist outlook in, in that respect. Yeah, you, you do see plenty of testimonies from voters to say, uh, oh, God has chosen Bolsonaro. We also see it on the other side, God has chosen Lula to face up against Bolsonaro. So maybe uh, God is a, a swing voter in in Brazil. So <laughs> God is probably sitting back with a box of popcorn watching this charade play on. <laughs> uh, so let's finish with some predictions then. So um, in the first round, uh, Lula beat Bolsonaro by around four points. No, five points. 48 and a half to 43 and a half. But it must be noted that Bolsonaro was underestimated on average between five to seven points. So quite a significant error from the polls. So how do you see this one ending? I think it's it's a coin toss. It's going to be really hard to predict because as the election day draws closer, the polls are going to get narrower and narrower. And so, but by the time they come to voting, it will probably only split about three, four points. But it, so, if I was going to uh, put money on it, as the show intends for its listeners to do, I'd probably have to um, have to go for Lula. I think. I, th- I think that the sort of it's the economy stupid. I think that will triumph. Well, I think uh, it's going to be rigged in his favour, isn't it? It's, those uh, machines are going to be a bit faulty. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see, I, I took that into consideration. Yeah, <laughs> the machines are gonna use their algorithms to make it look close. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the illusion of choice. But no, I, I, uh, I probably agree with you. I think it's going to be the the cursed number of uh, fifty two to forty eight percent in favour mm. of Lula. Uh, but I think it's going to be close enough. For Bolsonaro to to contest the results, yeah. and uh, I hope not. But uh, I think we're going to see some rather turbulent times in Brazil towards the end of this year. Yeah, certainly. And uh, that will roll nicely into the U.S. midterms, which will be our next episode. So, uh, Luke, uh, I've got to thank you for your expert analysis today and uh, hope to have you back on the show soon that's a bit it's well been a good time talking to you this evening about uh brazil and i I look forward to the 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 fire and fury of the the u.s midterms as well with bated breath great we'll try and get a panel round for that that'll be good yeah we should good panel yeah anyway thanks everyone for watching it's been a pleasure as always and uh see you soon Bye-bye.